Digital CXO, and I'm excited to be here today with Aditya Prakash. He is the CEO of Version, which is a pharmaceutical company. How are you doing today? Doing great, Amanda. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here on our show. So what is Version and what pharmaceuticals do you provide or work on? Version is a new generation of uh, pharmaceutical company. Uh, we are changing how completely new medicines get designed, developed in the world, uh, what we can treat uh, and how well we treat them. Uh, there are so many major human diseases from uh, heart disease, cancers, diabetes, all kinds of things, right, uh, that affect all of us who live in the modern world uh, and our loved ones. And if you ask anyone, they'd say uh, they'd love to get better and better treatments than what exists today, right? Well, how do these new medicines uh, come about? We see sometimes great uh, articles on uh, newspapers saying uh, that here is a brilliant breakthrough uh, in uh, understanding some disease. The, if you read the sub, uh, subtext, you know, they read the fine print that says, oh, this might become a treatment in 20 years. And, uh, you know, and emphasis being on might, right? But how about changing that where we can uh, get new medicines at a steady pace that uh, fundamentally change how well we treat diseases, how well we prevent and delay them, right? So that's what Version is all about. We design drugs on the computer, atom by atom, completely novel drugs that you cannot find with any other current method, okay, including AI-based methods. And uh, then we make them in the laboratory. We carry them forward to testing. We use AI to optimize their properties further and uh, out come these uh, drugs that have uniquely desirable therapeutic profiles. Drugs that prevent heart attacks and strokes with almost no bleeding risk, which is unthinkable in the current you know, uh, scenario. Uh, drugs that will prevent any diabetic organ dam uh, related organ damage that people uh, go through uh, uh, and uh, not have diabetes lose their vision and their you know uh, their kidneys and other things like those uh, cancer treatment where chemotherapy drugs that don't fall prey to drug resistance and on and on it goes these are things that are only possible with the latest greatest advancements in technology and AI coming together. And uh, so that's what we do. So what I hear is that you're very innovative in your methods and you're looking at how can you improve and make new drugs that are going to help change the world. And you brought up AI. That's a big topic today. And it seems to be just advancing rapidly. So can you speak to AI and how is AI useful in this industry? That's a good question. Now, the industry is obviously very large with different aspects to it. So sometimes people uh, confuse different topics and put them all together. Uh, but I will specifically address the part uh, that's most relevant to what we do. And uh, at the same time, it's also the part that relates to most of our lives. So-called uh, small molecule medicines, the things that you can take as pills right? Uh, that's the bread and butter business of modern medicine. Uh, those things, you're trying to design uh, completely new medicines to treat diseases better, treat the ones that we still can't treat. There, uh, AI is useful, but not in the same uh, a way that people think uh, it might be. It's not 
some magic wand that you can wave and uh, things get done. AI has certain specific utilities there. Uh, there is a lot of talk now how it's going to change everything in uh, new small molecule drug discovery. But the way AI works is you need to feed it a lot of data and then it can predict something similar, right? For instance, ChatGPT, you train it on everything that, uh, on the web and it can, uh, and you give it, uh, and it can predict the next word, you know, uh, by looking at the last uh, thousand it has created, et cetera. Great. But it's not going to create a completely new language for you, right? The new language, uh, creating a new language is still up to the humans. Yes. So uh, when it comes to uh, AI use of on ex uh, by training it on existing data, what we're seeing is that all the companies that are doing that, they're, they're actually coming up with drugs that are small little tweaks on existing drugs, because that's what the AI has been trained on, exactly what you'd expect, like the language example I gave. But uh, imagine when you married with other technologies that are just, um, uh, you know, in many ways, just as hard or even harder to develop, okay? Uh, you are doing CAD CAM, computer design, computer uh, manufacturing type of, but at the atomic level, okay, uh, to design completely new drug structures, atom by atom, that have never been made before. This is not something AI can do for you. This is something where you have to have fundamental advancements in molecular physics to actually build these tools. But you do those and you construct new structures. Uh, now, if you can also make them in the lab, if your system is capable enough, like ours is, to be able to actually make them in the lab, then you can uh, turn them into real lab data on these fundamentally novel drug-like uh, drug molecules. Feed that to your own AI tools that are now getting data that nobody else has. And it can learn from that and help modify these kinds of molecules further to improve their properties. Yes. So when you combine multiple uh, the, uh, of these scientific and technological breakthroughs together, you get amazing new uh, developments in medicine. And that's what we have been systematically building over the last uh, two decades. So what you're saying is AI can't just be left alone to go and create a bunch of new medicines or a different kind of way of treating a, a health problem. It takes the human entering new data, and then you can use the AI as an automation tool. Uh, correct. It, it needs the human and other kinds of scientific and technological developments that humans have to do uh, to generate the data that AI can then work on. And then once you've generated that data and AI comes in as a great tool to speed up that whole process and to read that data in real time and tweak it as needed, correct? So what AI does afterwards is if you feed it enough of this data and you use the right AI tools, it can help you say, okay, you made this one drug molecule on the computer uh, through your molecular physics uh, breakthroughs. Uh, and look, this guy doesn't get through the uh, gut lining too well. You know, very little of it's getting absorbed. Or this other guy is getting absorbed but getting chewed up by the liver too quickly or many properties like these, right? And the AI can now help you, you know, mix and match these properties and say, okay, how about try making this molecule, okay? Humans could do that too, right? And humans do do that, you know, at our lab. But at the same time, AI can help them uh, sort through many, many options much quicker. 
So AI has real utility there, okay? But it has to be used in the right context. Uh, and that can uh, dramatically help speed up the process of how you get to the right fun final drugs to enter into clinical trials. And then there is a whole new uh, uh, type of AI application, which has nothing to do with the things that we were just discussing. Now you can collect all of the human uh, clinical data and use AI to help personalize the drugs that you're advancing through clinical trials. If you're entering multiple uh, candidates through trials, you can say, oh, drug A, look, is working better for this patient population versus drug B, based on all of the data you're feeding to AI. But remember, there, AI is being used in an entirely different context. You're collecting as much data as you uh, can from all these patients. Knowing at the same time, some of these predictions with AI have to be then still vetted and validated, right? Uh, just because AI says, you know, this is working doesn't, you know, for this patient population may not mean that it's uh, truly the case because often even there, the AI may not have all of the possible data uh, to, uh, to really rule out any uh, possibilities of errors. However, it is certainly very, very helpful and useful. Uh, remember, uh, in the healthcare settings, which is a completely different arena than uh, than what we were discussing in de development of new medicines, AI has fantastic applications. We're uh, all extremely excited about it, you know, at, uh, at Version and everywhere else in, in the healthcare space, you hear that from people. But there is a reason, for instance, still, uh, AI hasn't completely replaced radiologists, right? Uh, AI reads radiology images probably better than most, you know, radiologists. But so far, we're still occasionally getting a, a, a situations where AI makes corner case mistakes. So you need a doctor to, you know, verify uh, when it calls something uh, uh, as uh, very serious or problematic or not because it, it got tripped up by some uh, speck of dust on the on the uh, image. So these. Over time, I think we will, you know, resolve and uh, fix. But uh, and as things progress, it's only going to be great for humanity as that happens. But we're not quite there yet. But going back to development of new medicines, this is an arena where many different technologies need to come and work hand in hand together to actually make the advancements. And that's what we build at Version. Fantastic. So. How many other pharmaceutical companies are actually trying to utilize AI and other emerging technologies as a tool in their processes? Uh, almost every pharma company on the planet now, you know, uses AI in its process because nobody wants to be left behind. Uh, and this is clearly the buzzword of the day that uh, you must uh, try to use. But the thing is, uh, how well are they using it? Uh, if you look at use of AI across all different industries, only in certain uh, specific situations uh, and uh, in certain fields, and within those fields even uh, uh, some companies and not others, use it really, really well. Others are using it. Maybe they're getting some benefit out of it, but not nearly the, uh, uh, the way that, that it could be done, uh, right? And this is where the difference comes in. Everybody is using AI. The question is how well and how, what are the right uh, ways to use it? That's where I think 
uh, companies sort of separate out into the ones that will be the winners long term versus the ones that are just, you know, also runs. So having said that, in your view, what are some solutions? What are the roadblocks as to why they're not fully utilizing it? And what are some solutions? The uh, arena of drug discovery, uh, the roadblocks are the fact that you are uh, shackled to old uh, legacy data and you only have a small amount of it on uh, the number of drug-like molecules people have so far made and tested to go back to really providing this uh, uh, example in context the total number of distinct chemical structures uh, humanity has made over the last hundred plus years is about seven million uh, definitely much less than 10 okay uh, that we are testing uh, to collect data on oh, what these things do for various uh, diseases, et cetera. And you can f- feed that to AI. Total number of actual makeable uh, drug-like structures is 10 to the 33, one with 33 zeros. So now compare seven or 8 million to one with 33 zeros. That's a billion, trillion, trillion, by the way. Uh, you realize we're not fishing in a tide pool by the side of an ocean. We're fishing in a tiny little droplet. And as a result, the data you're collecting is restricted to the droplet. And maybe you can, you know, tweak things around that droplet a little bit better. Maybe you can even skirt the edges of that droplet uh, and do something slightly different and slightly new. But most of that stuff in that uncharted chemical ocean remains unexplored. So that is the problem with just, you know, saying AI only, AI first, based on current data, I'm, I'm going to change everything. You can repurpose existing drugs using AI which is useful, but remember, I said existing drugs. Uh, Wouldn't you say, wouldn't you really like to have those drugs of the future that have amazingly good properties that uh, Star Trek style, anything happens to you, you go to your doctor and they give you these three pills, tell you to report back in, you know, a few weeks and you're done. We all know how far we are from that uh, vision of the future, right? How do we get there? AI is only one part of the solution set. You need all of these other things. You need the CAD CAM tools at the atomic level to design completely new things uh, that only belong in that uncharted chemical ocean that you don't have data on yet. You need to be able to construct them. You need to be able to generate the data on them and then feed it to AI. You know, and then your AI only keeps getting better. So what is the timeline? Um, when you talk about that, it sounds to me that that's a pretty lengthy timeline to get there. Uh, yes, if you had to make every single one of those and test them, it'll take you uh, longer than the lifetime of the universe, okay? Uh, to even make a reasonable dent will probably take you thousands of years. So obviously, there needs to be some shortcut. And the shortcut is, again, back to computers, but not necessarily AI. Uh, today, everybody calls everything AI, but, the, but it's not. You know, it's actually being able to do these atomic-level designs, you know, based on the molecular physics. Uh, so if you can do that, then you don't necessarily have to make and test them, which takes months to uh, uh, and months to years for to do each one of these. Uh, you can shortcut all of that, uh, use computers to generate the new data because you are simply designing these molecules virtually on the computer, knowing when you actually need to make them, you can make them because your system 
spits out the recipes for making them. This changes the game. You don't have to test, make and test everything. You only make, uh, you only test the ones that your computer-based atomic level design says, this is good for this particular disease-causing protein. Go make this one. And that one is useless. Don't bother, right? So when you can do that, that cuts out most of the stuff that you don't have otherwise uh, uh, make and waste your time on. Make sense? Got it. So the the pharmaceutical industry has only hit on a tiny, tiny portion of what is possible, which is probably a ways out in the future. But it's interesting to think about where we could be down the road for sure. Indeed. And uh, it has direct implications on your and my lives and everybody else that we uh, in our friends and family. Okay, and getting there incredibly important for us as society. And with the tools that we were just describing, we can really do that. We can dramatically speed things up. And we have shown in just the last four and a half, five years with the uh, 16 different drug candidates that we have developed, okay, and we're just getting started, uh, what is really possible. And every single one of these uh, drug pro uh, programs we're developing, the drug candidates we have in them, they hold the promise of completely changing the standard of care for the diseases they address because of how unique their therapeutic profiles are. And only way you get there is by exploring that uncharted chemical ocean of possibilities, not by just trotting the, uh, uh, not by just exploring the same well-trodden pool of that tiny dot like you mentioned. Wow. Well, thank you for coming on our show and clarifying that and sharing your insights with us today. Amanda, it was a pleasure. Thank you.